0: My name is Rick Renner, and today I'm in my Moscow television studio in front of our fireplace. And on the fireplace, we have Christmas stockings and a nativity set, a typical nativity set. And in a typical nativity set, you see Mary and Joseph, you see the baby Jesus, a few animals, you see shepherds, and you see the wise men or the magi, some people call them three kings. Well, they really did come to see Jesus, but they didn't come to Bethlehem. They were not there at the same time the shepherds came. But there's something else wrong with this picture. Notice they're carrying little singular gifts. Wow. These magi came all the way from the east, a very long journey to celebrate the birth of the greatest king that has ever been born. In my mind as a child, I thought they carried little gifts like this. Oh, they traveled a long way. Where would they have room for a lot of gifts? So in my mind, they just brought three little simple gifts for a little bitty baby. But this does not match the historical facts. It's very simple to see what magi gave to kings at their birth because there's a lot of historical documentation. And even when you read Matthew chapter 2, it does not say they brought three little simple gifts. It says they brought treasures. They brought gifts. It is amazing what they brought to the King of Kings at his birth. And today we're going to unlock this and see what
1: was the value of the gifts that the Magi brought to Jesus at his birth. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust. A message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Welcome to today's program. I've just been waiting for you. Thank you for turning
0: on your device and letting me come right into your space. And not just me, but Joel Renner's with us. Hey, son. Hi, it's so good to be with you, Dad. These programs have been wonderful. Why have they been wonderful? You know, this is what we do every Christmas in our family. And I think it's fun that we can bring this to our viewers. And, honestly, I just like doing it with you. And, Joel, today we're going to be seeing what was the value of the Magi's gifts. I think this is going to be my favorite program. Stay all the way to the end. You are going to be shocked at what you're going to hear today, which is all based on history. It's going to be wonderful. But, by the way, I'm offering you my series, which is called Christmas, The Rest of the Story. I heard the same story year after year after year. I wanted to know what else was there to this story, so I dug into the New Testament and I dug into history and extracted amazing treasures from this story. And it's all in the series, 15 parts. It comes in multiple formats with a remarkable study guide that has all the information we've been covering in this series, order your copy today. Also, we're right now offering you my book, Sparkling Gems from the Greek, number one and number two. These are great gifts to give at this season of the year especially as people are getting ready to start the new year and they're looking for something to read every day, a daily devotional. This is a perfect gift for them or for yourself. You can order number one or number two. It really doesn't matter which one you start with. Maybe order both because not only are they daily devotionals, they are a study resource. This one has a thousand Greek word studies. Is that amazing? That is amazing. And what's more amazing is this one. Has another thousand. Amazing. So in both of these, you have 1,000 Greek word studies. And they're written in such a way that anybody can understand them. It just makes the New Testament come alive. And that's part of my prayer. Because I'm believing for a revival of the Bible in people's lives. Also, for anyone who becomes a financial partner with our ministry. That's someone who supports us regularly to help us take this program and the teaching of the Bible to people all over the world that are hungering and thirsting for truth. My friend, there are people who don't have access to Bible teaching. They need it. And through this program, we're able to feed people the Word of God. And when you partner with us, you help us to do that. And I promise you, God will reward you. You'll have a harvest on that giving. But for anybody who becomes a partner, we always send them my book, Life in the Combat Zone, How to Survive, Thrive, and Overcome in the Midst of Difficult Situations, and Denise's little book that is so powerful called The Gift of Forgiveness. But as I told you in the introduction to today's program, today we're going to be looking at what was the value of the Magi's gifts, and Joel, this is going to be great. It will be great. So you have your Bible? I have it right here. All right, you need your Bible, because this is going to be based on the Bible. And today we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1, because Matthew is the only Gospel writer who writes about the Magi. Listen to what he says, beginning in Matthew 2, verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, There came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, verse 2, saying, Where is he that's born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him, verse 3. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. We saw in the last program why Herod was troubled and why all of Jerusalem was troubled with him. If you missed that program, go back to the archives or. Order my series called Christmas, the rest of the story. Then we read in verse four. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born, verse five. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, verse six, and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of these shall come a governor that shall rule my people, Israel, verse 7. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently. He really probed them. What time the star appeared? We saw the word time is a Greek word kronos. He was asking for the timeline. Tell me exactly when did the star appear? He was trying to determine the age of the newborn Messiah. If you could figure out when the star appeared, Then he could figure out how old was this baby. Then when we come to verse 8, And he sent them to Bethlehem. Why? Because that's what the prophecy said. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Verse 9, When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. But by this time, the young child was not in Bethlehem. Bethlehem. The young child was somewhere else. We know that because Luke chapter 2 tells us at the end of Mary's 40 days of purification, when they had fulfilled everything according to the law of the Lord, they went home. They were only in Bethlehem 40 days. But by this time, Jesus was two years old. Jesus was no longer in Bethlehem. Well, the prophecies directed Herod to Bethlehem. That was correct. That's where Jesus was born. But by this time, Jesus and the Holy Family were already back in Nazareth. So Herod sent them to Bethlehem, but the star led them somewhere else. Look what it says. Verse 9. And when they heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star that they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding joy. Verse 11, and when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, plural, they presented unto him gifts, also plural, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But today we're going to begin with verse 1. So let's go back to Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. Are you ready, Joel? I'm ready. It says, now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold. I want to once once again comment on the word behold. In Greek, it is the word idua, which means bewilderment, shock, amazement, or wonder. Matthew is recording the story. And as he is recording the story, remembering this event, he says, behold. In Greek, it literally means, wow, can you imagine it? Years later. When Matthew is recording this story, he is still dumbfounded by the fact that magi came from the east at the time of Jesus' early birth. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. So he says, behold, there came wise men. Wise men, in Greek is the word magos. Here it is magoi because it is plural. It described a median group of priests and astrologers who were strongly influenced by Daniel's prophecies, and these men were king makers. They were part politicians, they were part religious priests, they were astronomers, they were scientists, and they were the most powerful men in the East, particularly in Babylon. With one word, they could install a king, and with one word, they could remove a king. And when Magi traveled, this is also very important, they usually traveled with armies, very trained armies. In fact, these troops from the East were so dreaded that even the Roman troops were afraid of them. And at one point earlier on in the year 39, these eastern troops from Persia had removed Herod from power temporarily. So when they all showed up in Jerusalem, Herod was very troubled. This was the very army which had previously removed him, and now they are at the gates of his city. They're traveling from the east. This was not three lonely kings traveling on three lonely camels across the desert. This was hundreds and hundreds, perhaps even thousands of people. And not only that, you're going to find out they were carrying treasures. They had cargo they were carrying with them. They would have had a lot of people there just to protect the treasures that they were carrying. And the Bible tells us in verse 2, As they entered Jerusalem, they were saying, even this word saying is important, it means saying and saying and saying, as they entered into the city, They and the people with them were asking everyone, where, where, where is he that's born king of the Jews? They were saying and saying, where is he that is born king? This word king, the Greek word Basileus, which is capital in Greek, which means they were asking for the king of kings. And Daniel had prophesied. Daniel had prophesied. And it seems that Daniel was the head of this particular group of priests. In Babylon, and they had held on to Daniel's prophecies for hundreds and hundreds of years that a Messiah would be born, a world leader like none other, the King of Kings, the greatest human being ever born. They'd been holding on to that prophecy, and suddenly a star appeared that signaled the birth of that individual. And now they've come into Jerusalem saying, Where is he born, King? Capital K, King of the Jews, for we have seen his star in the east, and we are come. To worship him. Verse 9. And when they heard the king, they departed and lo, this word lo again is the word behold, behold, wow, can you imagine it? The star which they saw in the east went before them and stood over where the young child was. When the Bible says the star went before them, it's a very interesting Greek word, the word prosago. It literally means the star led them. That's interesting because natural stars or planetary alignments would not do this. So, we're really not sure what this was because this was a star that literally led them. And in fact, the Bible says it eventually stood over where the young child was. The word stood is the Greek word isteme, which describes a stationary position. So, it was a star that was leading them, and then the star literally stopped over where the young child was. Even the words young child are important because here it is the Greek word paideon, not the word briefus which Luke uses in Luke chapter 2 to describe Jesus as an infant. The word "briefus" in Luke chapter 2 describes an infant, but here we have the word paideon, which describes a young child already in training. By this time, Jesus was approximately two years old. Verse 10, And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. By the way, exceeding great joy is a Greek word which means all out joy. They really rejoiced. They threw a party. It is the same word which can be translated violently rejoice. I mean, they really hooped and hollered when the star appeared, which makes me wonder, maybe perhaps the star disappeared for a while, but suddenly it reappeared. And when the star reappeared, they really threw a party because they were being led. So Herod sent them to Bethlehem, but the star led them somewhere else. Where did the star lead them? Look at verse 11. And when they were come into the what? House, House. this word house is the Greek word oikos, which is the Greek word for a house. In Bethlehem, Jesus had been born in a cave. They were only there for 40 days. But when the wise men come, the magi, they don't come to the cave, they come to the house. house. Well, we're told in the last verse of Luke, that when Mary and Joseph were finished fulfilling everything according to the law, they returned to their house. Now we have the same word used here. This is in Nazareth. They went to Nazareth. And the Bible says, and when they were come into the house, they saw the young child, the word young child, again, the Greek word "paidion," not an infant, which would be the word brephos. But here it is a young child in training, the Greek word paideon. When they saw the young child, the little toddler with Mary, his mother, they fell down, fell down. In Greek is the word pipto, which means they literally collapsed. Well, imagine. They had waited centuries for the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecies. Now they see the fulfillment of those prophecies right in front of their eyes. And when the Magi's eyes fell upon Jesus, they literally collapsed. The strength went out of their limbs. And the Bible says they worshipped him from the Greek word proskuneo. This word, proskune, means to prostrate oneself on the floor before a superior and to worship with kisses. They literally collapsed. And now these regal, dignified, powerful kingmakers dressed in amazing clothing. They're laying flat on their faces in front of a little toddler. I could just imagine their garments spread out across the floor of the house. I can imagine those traveling with them were shocked to see these dignitaries lying prostrate on their face. But now they're laying prostrate on their face, worshiping and adoring a toddler. And the Bible says when they opened their treasures, by the way, the word opened is even important, Joel. This word open means to make way. It means to give entrance. It describes a grand and magnificent opening. This was not the opening of little minor gifts like most of us have imagined because of what we see on greeting cards. No, no, no. What they did was magnificent. In fact, you're going to see it was nearly beyond belief what they brought to Jesus at that house in Nazareth. The Bible says they presented. Even the word presented is important because of the Greek word prosphero. The word "pharaoh" means to physically carry, like carrying something very heavy. The word pros means toward. <laughs> this means that we're physically carrying treasures and gifts into the house. Here we see many servants prosphero, bearing, carrying large treasures, all kinds of gifts into the house. It is just amazing. And the Bible says gifts. And guess what? The word gifts is even plural. It's plural. It describes many gifts. And the word treasures is the Greek word, which is also plural in this verse. And it describes a storehouse of treasures, a storehouse of treasures or cargo filled with treasure. So this was not three little gifts like most of us have pictured. Most people base their beliefs on paintings and Christmas cards not on reality. This is not the right picture. They were carrying a storehouse of treasures, cargo filled with gifts and filled with treasures. Now, let me help you. Because of documentation provided by a group of researchers, we know what kind of gifts would be given to a king in this situation. There's a lot of records that survive from the ancient Middle East. And so we know exactly what the Persians would have done or what magi would have brought to a king in this situation. Listen carefully. In the East, the size of diplomatic gifts like this that were given to a king were commensurate with the status of the king. So if it was a low-level king, they would bring lesser gifts. If it was a greater king, they had to bring gifts that were commensurate with the size of the recipient. Well, Jesus was the world leader they had been waiting for for centuries. They would not have come with three little gifts. He was the greatest leader ever born, according to the prophecies. Therefore, they would have brought enormous gifts that would be commensurate with his status. That was the tradition of the ancient Middle East. This is very important. These gifts would have been enormous beyond belief, enormous beyond belief. And according to the ancient custom, if they did anything less, it would have been viewed as a diplomatic snub. So they would not have done that. From the list of diplomatic gifts that were given in the ancient world, there are entire records of them, we know exactly what kinds of gifts and treasures the Magi would have brought to Jesus or to a king in this situation. There were so many of them, the text says they had to be physically carried into the house and the gifts would have included vases, urns, plates, carpets, all kinds of clothing, regal clothing, all kinds of items fashioned from gold and silver and other rare and expensive and exotic materials. In fact, the catalog of gifts would have been enormous and their value would have been a literal fortune. A literal fortune. Of course, these were magi. Magi were rich and they were coming To the birth of the greatest leader ever born in human history, they would have brought gifts commensurate with Jesus' status. And when you look at chapter two, verse eleven, it says specifically gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Well, the word gold that is used here is the Greek word krusos. It's plural in Greek. It means many gifts of gold. It described profound wealth. Listen, this particular word for gold describes the purest form of gold. There were lesser forms of gold that were mixed with other metals. But this was krusos. This was the highest kind of gold. It was a kind of gold that was reserved for the wealthy for nobility, and for those who were politically powerful. This was the same gold which dignitaries and kings used to make their bowls, their plates, their saucers, their platters, many other items in their house. And this was the very word krusos, this word gold, used to describe items that ambassadors or heads of state would have brought to another king. That is what they brought to Jesus. Then it says frankincense. The word frankincense is from the Greek word libanos, Frankincense was a very hard item to obtain because it didn't grow in Israel. It grew in Arabia. It grew in Sheba. They had to bring it a long distance. That already made it expensive. It was very hard to fabricate it. And it was so expensive that it was primarily in Israel, only used in the temple. And the temple used 700 pounds of it every year. But it was also the favorite frankincense of kings. You would only give frankincense to a real king. Then it says they brought myrrh. The word myrrh describes an ointment that was used for embalming the dead. This was a very strange gift to give to a child. By the way, it was also used for headaches. If you had headaches, you could put it on your head and it could alleviate your headaches. But myrrh was used for embalming the dead. So we find that this really was a prophetic gift. But when you put all of this together, we find they brought gold for a king. They brought frankincense for a priest. They brought myrrh prophesying his death, he was born to be the Messiah, the Lamb of God, that would take away the sins of the world. When you put together the estimated value of all of these gifts, are you ready for this? A low-level king in those days, if a low-level king was visited by magi, or by a head of state, it was customary to bring 110 kilos of gold. That's for a low-level king, and 110 kilos of gold is? In today's money, I think it's worth more than $5 million. $5 million. That's for a low-level king. Jesus was not a low-level king. He was the king of kings. So they brought gifts commensurate with his status. And, Dad, I want to tell you something. We, I've been to the criminal a few times with you. Yes, many times. And there's an area of the Kremlin where they display all the gifts that were given to, to, the, to the czar from other foreign states. And people brought gifts all the time if you were going to visit the king or the czar. And if, you, if a child was born who was going to be the king of kings, the future czar, the future king, I don't even imagine what the gift would have cost. The catalog would have been enormous of what they brought. And frankincense and myrrh. Believe it or not, they were more valuable than gold. That's how rare frankincense and myrrh was. Especially if the cosmos, if the stars were announcing the birth, if if the stars stood still to show where the king was born, this king would have been amazing. And I'm going to say again, the gift catalog would have been enormous, and the value of all of these gifts would have been off the charts. I have a number, but I'm not going to give it to you because it's just too shocking. Just let me tell you, it was big, 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 big money. This means when Jesus came into Mary and Joseph's life, not only was it wonderful to have a little baby, but when Jesus came into their life, it changed their economic status. Jesus was good news to everybody. And when Jesus came into their life, money came with Jesus. Now, I think there's something very important. God had sent his son on a mission. God had sent his son on a mission. God did not say, Jesus, I'm going to send you to the earth, but I'm not going to help you. I'm going to send you to poor, irresponsible parents who have no good profession. I'm not going to give you any money, no supplier. You're just on your own. No, God wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that for your child. When God sent Jesus into the earth, when they needed money, the money showed up. Wow. Isn't that amazing? God supplies. God is a supplier. If God sends you on a mission, God will provide for you to do the mission. And that's what we find. But the question always arises, well, what happened to all the money? Well, first of all, you're going to see in the next program, they escaped into Egypt and they were there between three and a half and four years. They used some of the money to live while they were in Egypt. But it is likely that these funds provided for Jesus and Mary and all of the family after the death of Joseph. After the death of Joseph, Jesus' uncle was given the trusteeship or the guardianship of the family and of all the resources. Guess who was Jesus' uncle? A man named Joseph of Arimathea. This was Mary's father's brother who just happened to strangely become the wealthiest man in Israel. Wow. He was the wealthiest man in Israel. And it seems that he managed these funds and this may explain why during Jesus' ministry, there is no record that Jesus ever took an offering, but yet Jesus had all the money he needed to do ministry and he had a full-time treasurer. This also sheds new light on 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9 that says, Jesus, though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor that you might become rich. Jesus had access to a lot of funds But Jesus died and spiritually was made poor so we could have access to God's wealth. That is just amazing. It is amazing. God supplies. it's amazing. Then when we come to Matthew 2, verse 12, the Bible says, And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And that's where we're going to pick up when we come back in the next program. But I'll be back in just a moment, and I'm going to pray for you.
1: Everyone thinks they know the Christmas story. But what you don't know are the fascinating details that only God could have orchestrated. In Rick Renner's 15-part series, Christmas, The Rest of the Story, Rick uncovers the shocking and surprising events that occurred at the time of Jesus' birth. In this series, you'll discover the amazing details that are often overlooked. Topics like exactly who Joseph was and why it mattered. What was the star that guided the wise men and the significance of the gifts the wise men brought to the Christ child? Available in digital or physical format starting at just $24. You'll have a deeper understanding of the meaning and importance of Christmas, the rest of the story. When you call or go online today, you can also get sparkling gems from the Greek Volumes 1 and 2. So many Christians live their entire lives skimming the surface of the Word of God. Most never discover the profound truth treasures that lie deep within the text. In Sparkling Gems from the Greek, rick unlocks the brilliant treasures within god's word and shows you how to live an intimate uncompromising life with god in an easy to read devotional format each volume of sparkling gems explores more than one thousand in-depth greek word studies revealing a profound wisdom and counsel from the bible get one or both of these valuable resources today sparkling gems one for just forty dollars and sparkling gems two for only forty five dollars don't miss this special offer, Christmas, the rest of the story, and the companion book Sparkling Gems 1 and 2. Call now or go to renner.org to order.
0: God supplied everything Jesus needed for his life and for his ministry. God sent him on an assignment and gave him everything that he needed. And God will do the same for you. If God's asked you to do something, God will provide what you need to do the job. God is for you. And He'll supply everything that you need. You just have to stand in faith for it. And I want to pray for you today for God to just give you everything you need. Joel, let's pray for our let's friends. Pray for Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that you are so faithful. You don't just send us on assignments and not give us what we need, but you provide everything we need to do the job. And we take that strength and we take that encouragement from the story of Jesus and the wise men. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow. Until then, remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there is power. Let God's word work in your life today, and I'll see you in the next program.
1: Thank you for joining Rick Renner today. For more information about Rick Renner Ministries and product resources, visit renner.org and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.